of Philippians chapter 2, 1 to 11, so you'll get there early. And um, we are in a series called Emotionally Spiritual. What are we on? <laughs> Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. I'm dyslexic. I have written down here ESH7, which is the other way around, so do forgive me. Um, so we're looking at how do we become healthy individuals. And I'm, again, I'm aware that some of you are starting to see fruit from the series. I realize for some of you, it's been a very freeing conversation. You've enjoyed it. It's bringing you joy and hope. For others, it's bringing stuff up from your past. The intentional the intention around this is not to dig up uh, old stuff so that you feel some pain. It's actually so that you get healthy again, that you recover, and that you become a thriving follower of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. That's what we want to do. But again, just, just to reiterate some of, the, some of my best... Um, my best thinking for you, not thinking, but my best um, pointing you in the right direction, not to shut down, this is what happens when you get up at five in the morning, you can't think, not to shut down your own from the Holy Spirit, I don't want you to do that. Sometimes the tendency is that when we feel pain, we, we hide, we, we, we press it down and we don't deal with our stuff, it will surface, believe you me. Stay connected to a community group. Um, if you're not in one, talk to Seb. He's, he'll be at the back at our welcome um, desk this morning. Uh, go and talk to Seb. He's our community pastor. He's waving at you right now over in my right. So he'd love to connect you with the group. Get prayer. Every Sunday we, we love to minister to each other. Um, it's a ministering team. We want to see the Spirit of God come and we want to see people set free. And one of the ways that you can do that is by accessing prayer here regularly on a Sunday morning here at Vineyard Church in Ghana. I love that. You can go to, like I said before, said before many times, you can go anywhere throughout the world, find a vineyard home, and there'll always be somebody to put a hand on your shoulder and pray with you and just comfort you, encourage you, and see you equipped for life. Uh, number four, which is really important, ask for help. Contact community group leader. If you're in one, if you're not, Contact Michelle and I uh, just to uh, give you a heads up. Um, we would love you. We, some of the people that we do partner with that are experts and, and just brilliant helps outside of ourselves is, is some people uh, in the counseling world. And so one of the ones that we would recommend is links. So we would we'd recommend that for you. But if you need help in any way at all, please come have a conversation with us. Pick up the phone, shoot us an email, whatever way that you communicate at all. Talk to your community group leader. But please don't allow these moments uh, to pass by. Actually, let's deal with your stuff. Let's get healthy as we do that. Okay, are we good? Philippians chapter 1, verses 1 to 11. Let's read the ancient scriptures and allow the Spirit of God to breathe on that. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy, joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. He starts to explain. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very form, or the very sorry nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in the appearance as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, and give him the name that is above every name. That at that name of Jesus every knee should bow. In heaven and on the earth. 
and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This is the word of the Lord. It is absolutely true and it's given to us in love. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we ask you to increase your presence among us. Right now, I pray that our hearts are opened, our minds are clear. You give us great courage this morning to step into the areas that you speak to us about, God. And I pray today that hearts would come alive with hope. That people's lives would be renewed by the Spirit of the living God. That we'd find intimacy, peace and hope. Because we've chosen today to gather with brothers and sisters in this family of God. So we pray, God, right now that the presence of Holy Spirit, our friend, would be evident among us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Amen. Way back in the 90s, remember the 90s, Italian night day and some rubbish music, but it was, it was a good time. I actually happened to go to a place called Portland, Oregon in the 90s, and uh, I went to a Bible college there, and it was great. I, I, I thought that going to America would be brilliant because you would just like, you'd see sunshine and all that. And then I discovered Portland was just the same as here. It rained 11 months a year, so that was a kind of an anticlimax. But uh, I had some really, really good times there. met some brilliant friends. Some, one friend from Trinidad who ended up in Leicester, who I'm still friends with to this very day. Uh, but we were taught a lot of things. How do you be uh, a Christian intellectually? We are taught how to handle theology. How to handle doctrine, how to handle apologetics. That just means to give a reason for your faith. And um, so we were taught many things. We were even taught how to pray, how to have a devotional life. We had a class called Devotional Life. There you go, it's very clever, isn't it? And so we were taught many things, and we were young people, but we never were taught anything. We never talked about our emotions. And so what you had is you had this, uh, this place, this incubator of People that were just learning and studying and how to handle doctrine and theology, which is all absolutely brilliant, but we had no emotional intelligence whatsoever. We were all over the map. And it made for some fun in the dorms. Actually, uh, you can take the boy out of Derry, but you can't take Derry out of the boy. Uh, we ended up organizing a small mini riot for recreational use one time with dorm, dorm one. We were dorm four. And uh, so that was a lot of fun, from fireworks and, and all those sorts of things. So it just immature, emotionally immature, but I get past tests. Uh, I remember one time fasting and then during the fast, wanting to kill a guy from uh, Oklahoma and, uh, and, and, and saying, you know, I'll be, you know where I am, here's my dorm, come visit me straight after lunch. And that was very spiritual, wasn't it? Like, that's just a way to do fasting, isn't it? So it, we were all over the map. And some of you have maybe heard and, and maybe been taught that emotions are bad. It's faith over feelings, right? Don't go near your emotions, don't go near your feelings, feelings, uh, don't trust your heart ever, the, the heart is deceitful, and we can even quote scriptures and do gymnastics with it, so make it twist and sound like it's, it's plausible and it's wise, but it's not, it's not, it's not the Jesus way. So some of us have been taught that our emotions are bad, uh, again, you never trust your heart, don't trust your emotions, don't trust your feelings, deny your feelings, deny all emotions, and what you've learned is, through this series, I hope that you're learning this, that through this very, very foundational, important series, that what I'm talking about, when you don't trust your emotions and your feelings, that's called stoicism. It's totally different from Christianity. It grew up at the same time of Christianity, so therefore sometimes it's inter 
tangled and it's woven within Christianity and it sounds plausible and it sounds good. And, and what Stoicism, Stoicism says is that you hide your feelings, you, you, you don't show emotion at all, that you become a very, you've heard the expression, it's very stoic. And some people assume that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, a 30-year-old rabbi who walked this planet, this 30-year-old rabbi messiah prophet, that this 30-year-old Jesus Christ of Nazareth, some people would conclude that he was stoic. Jesus was stoic, and sometimes, our, again, our art and our, our representation of Jesus Christ of Nazareth doesn't help uh, to counter that argument. But I want to tell you that it, it, it's not, Christianity is not stoicism. What the Bible teaches is not stoicism. The Bible doesn't teach us that feelings are bad. So you don't, um, you don't see that form of Christianity in scriptures at all, or in the Gospels. Jesus is not at all stoic. In fact, we remember the week one when we talked about Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, that he felt the full breath of emotions, that he didn't deny them or push them down. In fact, the first thing that he does with his feelings is that he presents them to God and his friends. He starts to talk about the sorrow of the soul, where his life feels like it's crushing out of him, where he's in that dark night of the soul in Gethsemane, the garden outside the city where people went for rest and pleasure. He's there in this moment, and he feels the emotions, the breath of emotions, and also expresses them. So Christianity really is, here's one of the ways we could sum up Christianity. Christianity is the story of our God becoming human. Christianity is the story of our God becoming human. Jesus was not some God floating like, uh, like I try to imagine Owen Wilson as Jesus. If, he, if I had a Jesus, he would be Owen Wilson. You know what I mean? No? Okay. That's just in my head where I'm playing that thing. But we sometimes figure out that this Jesus is just some hippie type person floating around and not engaging with society and he does these talks and he prays for the sick and he's just like, hey, nothing's ever a bother. That's not the Jesus of the ancient scriptures. Christianity is a story of God becoming human and to be human is to feel the full breath of your emotions and not to deny them. One of the hopes of the Christian faith, again, is not to deny our humanity and become like some angelic disconnected people. Actually, Paul writes about that, I think, in 1 Corinthians, around chapter 11. He actually warns us that that's not who we are. We're not some angelic beings. We're not disconnected. We are whole people. And so we're not to be some disconnected stoic. That's not the story of the Gospels or the story of the ancient scriptures. And what I'm hoping that through this series we realize that the Christian faith is about us becoming fully human. To be a good Christian is to be a good human, right? It's actually too fast and not want to box the ears of somebody. It's actually to, to love your neighbor. It's actually to not be angry or jealous or, or discontent in love. It, it actually deals with all the feelings that we feel. And Christianity wants us to become wholly, fully functioning human beings who flourish in this life. So, so let's be wise. Let's be mature in our emotions. It's not to deny the fact that we're human. It's actually, again, that we live fully human. Uh, so to be restored again, the goal is that we're being restored. Michelle talked about it last week. Brilliant talk. We're being restored back to the way it was in the garden. All things as they should be. The shalom, the wholeness, the wellness of the human being in this world. I think one of the most effective ways to see the kingdom of God here is through healthy, flourishing people presented to our community. God says that you are salt, right? He says that you are light, we know what salt does. It preserves and brings out the flavors. You're the light of the world. Who is? God or Jesus? Who's the light of the world? Both, right? Jesus is the light, but who else? Us. 
We are light. We are salt. We are to bring. A, we are to preserve and to bring healing to society and to culture, to every sphere of of where we live, every corner of our town. And so, therefore, we are to preserve, and we are also to bring out the flavors, the goodness of God on the air, to to bring them out and say, "Hey, look at this. This is our God. He is good. This is the bedrock of our theology." So that's what we do. You're the light of the world. So what God wants to do, in fact. Who God wants to introduce to Dungannon, to Mid-Ulster, to Tyrone, to wherever you live. God wants to introduce you. Do you get that? I mean, I like it, but I don't know if I like it. Sounds good, but I really want that responsibility. Do you know who God... You're the representation of God here on earth. God wants to represent... He wants to represent himself in and through you. He wants to present you to society. So Monday morning, the world gets you. Lucky old world, eh? Okay. <laughs> but it's, it's, it's not just, it's us in our full humanity. It's us flourishing. It's us healthy. It's us being real and not faking Christianity. The problem that a lot of people have, I'm convinced in Ireland, and Christ, it's not our Christian beliefs. Actually, you know, people argue, you know, people have a problem. We live in a, a post-culture a post-Christian culture. Yes, that is true. Post-culture, Christ, post-Christian culture, sorry. Post-Christian culture just means that society wants the benefits of the kingdom without the king. You talk to anybody in society, do you want peace? Of course they do. Do you want equality? There's a buzzword. Does everybody want equality? Yes, of course they do. Do you want justice? Of course everybody wants justice. Do you want to see the marginalized uh, brought into a flourishing place and, and benefiting? Yes, of course you do. Do you want to see people loved and respected? Of course they do. The only disengagement is that they don't want it with King Jesus. So that's what it means to live in a post-Christian culture. But people, therefore, do not have a problem with our Christian beliefs, believe it or not. Society doesn't really have a huge problem with you. There's so much distraction out there at the minute. And Christianity gets sucked into it. Sucked into the distraction. But the reality is that I, the most of the people that I mean and have conversations with, are they don't have a problem with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. In fact, they quite like Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The problem people have with our, it's not our beliefs or our practices, is that when we become inauthentic, that's what people have a problem with. People want to know, tell me, tell me you're real. Do you feel what I feel? Do you feel the pain that I feel? And so therefore the stoicism does not help the story of God. The story of God is God becoming fully human. And therefore he wants us to become fully human. The people who flourish and people who thrive in society, they don't want you to have it all together. It doesn't matter what scriptures you know, how your spiritual practices are. That's important for you in your formation and your relationship with Jesus Christ of Nazareth. But society wants to know, are you authentic? Are you the real deal? What do you say? Is it true? Do you feel? Do you know? Or do you walk in the same streets and do you walk in the same pain as I do? And that, my friends, I think is the ticket to see and renewal, part of the ticket to see and renewal in our island. Peter Scazzaro, again, where we're taking this, the ideas from for our talks from his book, he says this, It is impossible for a Christian to be spiritually mature, to be spiritually mature, while remaining emotionally immature. Wow. So again, you're a whole person, body, mind, spirit, and emotions. So today, we're turning the corner. We're going to learn to incarnate. Now there's a, a word you use every day, isn't it? Incarnate. Try it tomorrow morning. Just go into the... Your canteen or wherever you go, and just say, "Hey, we're just—I'm just here to incarnate." How, how's your weekend? 
I had a great weekend. We were learning how to incarnate, and, and all this week, I just, I'm just so ready to incarnate here. And that should go well with you. Um, so learning to incarnate means we are making progress in the other principles. I'll explain it in a minute. As we've gone through this series, we're learning how to grieve, right? How to embrace loss and pain. We're learning how to set limits on our life. We're learning how to be fully human. We're learning to look back so that we go forward. We're learning about... Michelle did a fantastic talk on uh, when I was in Bangor. I listened to it on podcast. How, we, how our family origins play so much a part into the, our healthiness or our unhealthiness into our present-day reality and how we, we bring stuff from that family into our, our present-day reality. Sometimes it's not, not good. But when we get healthy in all these other ways, then we can turn a corner in this way when we incarnate, when we embrace the incarnation of the love of God and extend that to others. So what we're doing is we are learning now to, to actually do. So I'm going to talk about incarnation as a model for love and well. St. Basil, the bishop of uh, Caesarea in the 4th century, he once wrote, Annunciations are frequent, incarnations are rare. Right? And what he meant by that, he says, We love talking about God. Talking about God is common. You can find people that talk about God all day and can teach you about God. But to follow his way of love is not. It's much more costly, right? It's counterculture, actually, to be incarnate, to actually put on flesh and to walk this earth and to incarnate the love of God, to embody the love of God as, as God did many years ago through Jesus Christ. And it's hard to, to do that. It's hard to even find that. We would rather talk than incarnate. We would rather talk than walk. And actually, it's even hard at times to find it among the family of God. So incarnation. I'll explain it through Jesus Christ of Nazareth because he's the way, the truth, and the life. He's our model. Christ being introduced to the world. That's, how you, that's what incarnation is. Jesus is introducing himself to the world and then in fact Jesus is introducing us to the world to extend that love. That's what incarnation is. Jesus who was introduced to the world is now introducing us to the world to extend Jesus' love. So here's the thing. This is how you figure out about emotional health. It's not just some navel gaze and it's not just some self-help thing. We're not talking about emotional healthy spirituality so that we feel good and, and we start to uh, and know a little bit more about ourselves. It's fact, it's a little more than that. And so we are an outward focused church. But I, this is what I love about this. When we turn the corners, when we start to turn the pages in our life and get healthy again, what actually happens is that emotional health is not just for you. It's, it simply just can't be for you, but it actually is for others as you go and as you walk and as you engage. So it's that you bring emotional health to people it's not just for you, but it becomes outward focused in a while. It, it's not just about you, but you bring the emotional health to people in towns and villages and streets. You're actually, your healthiness is bringing the health of, of, of God who walked this earth. We're bringing that with us. And we want other people to be flourishing, right? That's the gospel. That we want others to be introduced to the kingdom and the kingdom. As a result of that, they become uh, fully flourishing human beings. So why is love the end goal? Well, here it is. Why are we talking about incarnation? Because the primary job, this is important that you know this, the primary job of the church in the world is simply to love well. One of our primary jobs is to love well. The primary job of the church in the world, not the building, the main job for you and I, the family of God, the people of God, we are called to love well. So what does it mean to love well? I like it. I like talking about love. But then I find the definition sometimes a little awkward and a little hard. Sounds good, right? That we love well. Who's up for that? 
Two people, three people, four people. It's getting higher. Any more? Any other people? Let's all bow our head, close our eyes, and then we'll just, whenever you feel like raising your hand, we'll, we'll get to it. So what does it mean to love well? Well, it means to love God well. Right? Easy. I mean, you can say that. Love God well. Yeah, I love God. God's good. God's kind. I love God. God is faithful. We love each other well. And we love the world well. So the love of God, to love God well and loving the world well, there's a connection. It's hinged on something, right? We love God well. To love the world well, it hinges on something. What's the bracket? The bracket is how we love each other well. How we love each other well. Love God, yeah, I can do that. Love the world, yeah, okay, it's me. I love Dungannon, I love India. I really love Liverpool. I love lots of places and, and I love God. But it means that the evidence of loving God and the evidence of loving the world is seen by how well we love each other. And that then becomes a whole different thing. That becomes serving each other, forgiving each other, praying for, caring for. It means showing up and being present, right? Now, love moves from a noun to a verb. I quite like the noun. Let's debate it. Let's talk about it. Let's theorize it. Let's find other, other ways to explain it and talk about it. But actually, love is a verb. Love is a verb. And you command, I give you, love one another. Okay, it's I've loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. How if you love one another? The watching world wants to know how we love one another, how we care for one another, how we incarnate the love of God, how we show the love of God as healthy, flourishing human beings. Sorry, the biblical definition of love, right? John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, or as the message brilliantly paraphrases, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. And we saw the glory with our own eyes. I love that. God walks into the neighborhood. He walks in, he puts on, he wraps himself. He's still fully God and yet he's still fully man. He wraps himself in flesh and then people can see the glory of God. People need a God with skin on. Right? You've heard the story, it's a bit cheesy. But there's a little girl and she's in her room, I don't know, it's written books and loads of people tell the story and there's thunder and lightning and her dad comes up, her parents come up to comfort her and, and the lightning's going off and they said, well, that's just God showing off and blah, blah, blah. And you know God, she says, yeah, I know God. Therefore, you don't need to be afraid. She says, yeah, but I need, I need God to have skin on tonight. And we are God with skin on. That's who we are. That's who we are. That's the message of incarnation. God invaded our planet and it was forever changed, Right? And it wasn't some sanitized, domesticated, some God that sweeps in and angelic like again. It was actually raw. He entered the world physically and emotionally. God put on skin for me and for you. He did that. He put on skin and he limited himself to the confines of history, to actual time, and in a human body. And so three ways we're going to incarnate, or we're going to look at incarnation today. We're going to look how it can be practiced and how we can love well. And so just relax. This is not about going out and doing more. This is not about us serving more. This is not about me getting you to do more stuff this week and uh, just bumping up that here. We could put another 40 things to your 40 things for Lent, right? This is not that. This is actually how we can become emotionally healthy people, how we can incarnate the love of God well. The first thing is the incarnation, how it's practiced is entering another world. It just means we're available and present. And I know it sounds so simple, but yet it's so, so hard. So, so hard to become available and to become present. Jesus Christ of Nazareth was present. 
He was a present person. Some people would actually look at the life of Jesus. He, had, he was a Messiah. He, his ministry started at what? 30 years of age? Yeah? And finished at what? 33. Three years. I'm coming 50 this year. Hard to imagine, right? The paper round was all downhill and dirty. Others have not been as fortunate. And, uh, and so anyway, yeah. What was I saying? I told, 33, yeah. So like 10 years. I remember turning 40 to 50. Just was gone black night. What is three years not like? And so you look at the life of Jesus. And, and, and if I was given Jesus, the, you know, if I was Jesus' boss, I know it sounds a little... Radical, okay. So somebody will pick this up right now, out there on the web, and clip this, and I'll be on Protestant Revival by the end of next week, okay? So, bear with me. If I was a boss of Jesus, I'd say, you have a lot of work to do, Jesus. You have three years to cram it in. Stick to the task. Don't get distracted. Huh? Don't get distracted. There's a lot of people looking for the conversation with you. There's a lot of people. Some people are just religious people and they just want to be with you because it gives them a bit of cred. And they'll come to you at night time, you know. But if they're not good enough to come to you in the daytime, don't, don't engage with them at night time. But Jesus would just ignore me, right? Because, he, he, you know, the guy that comes at night, the, the rich young ruler, Jesus actually stops engages him in the conversation and asks this question, even though he knows his heart. He knows he's taking the religious box. You remember that story? What did I do to inherit hurt life? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul. Love your neighbor as yourself, left and right and across the room. Love your neighbor as yourself. So Jesus is, he's interrupted and sometimes it annoys the people with Jesus, but not Jesus. People who enter other people's world, the incarnation of God, to love well, for us as a family of God, when we love each other well, we want to be available and present. I think it's the hardest thing nowadays. We are digitally addicted, right? Digitally addicted. You know, I had the biggest panic on Friday night. Couldn't find my phone. On phone finder, stress and night. The world was going to end. Saturday was going to be ruined. The weekend was going to be ruined. How would I survive? Lots of people like I'm pretty. Lots of people look at me. Right, not one missed call from the time it was lost to the time it was found. Okay. We're digitally addicted. We've got so much stuff on. We've got so much pressure on. And we do not know how to slow down. Henry Nguyen, um, he wrote a, wrote a piece called Out of Solitude. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. He, I, think, I think Henry Nguyen at one stage wrote a book a year. His life was, 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 on, was on speed, actually. We, we think of him as a very uh, introvert, but that wasn't really his life at the time. But then he, he came around and he wrote this here. Henry Nguyen, out of the solitude, said this, To care means, first of all, to be present to each other. From experience, you know that those who care for you become present to you. When they listen, they listen to you. When they speak, they speak to you. Their presence is a hidden presence because they accept you on your terms. And they encourage you to take your own life seriously. I love that. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, so deep. Listening, being among people, with people, doesn't mean actually. So here's the argument. Oh, if I just stop and listen to everybody and I engage with people and I'm present, then I'm actually agreeing with their 
I'm agreeing with them. No, 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 no. You know, Jesus, Jesus was so available and present with so many people. He was full of grace, equally full of truth. He was. It means, doesn't mean you have to agree with people. You can see it as they see it. That's different. See it as other people see it. You can have a conversation and say, oh, I, I see where you would conclude that that's just how life should be and where your life is right now. I can understand that. You can understand where they land at times. But it doesn't mean that you agree. It means that you care. It means that you're present. Can you imagine a bit of God gossip around Dungannon? I like a bit of God gossip, do you? So just, I just, I love hearing stories coming from other people, people talking about you people, when it's God gossip. I love that. So what, can you imagine if the whispers around the town were, what about those vineyard people? They talk to anybody. They're interested in, in your story. They, I saw them the other day talking to Ricky Cummins <laughs> and looking interested. <laughs> Hard act today. And, and they even ask you questions about your life. Huh? So I used to feel the pressure. See, as a pastor, I used to feel the pressure to give advice as quick as possible. You know, because you have to have all the answers. People come to you, you have to be an accountant, you have to be a counselor, you have to be a theologian, you have to uh, be... I don't know. Lots of things, yeah. Thanks, yeah. I was just trying to think of a list in my head. But I used to think that the pressure is passed to give face as quick as possible. But I've discovered the pleasure, actually, the pleasure of listening well and allowing my best friend, who is called Holy Spirit, to do the deep work. He's brilliant. And sometimes we want to rush in and fix. And actually, the incarnation love of God is actually to be present and available. And actually, here's the Here's, here's, let me give you a brilliant top tip. Brilliant top tip. Don't do the Holy Spirit job. Don't rush in. Sometimes we're like, oh, we're like racing the Holy Spirit to fix somebody's life. We're like, I've got it, Holy Spirit. I'll fix this. I know what to say. I've known this person more than you. He he was in the beginning. Still Holy Spirit. I know. I'll fix it. When the Holy Spirit is... He's going to do it. And when he does it, he does it brilliantly. Doesn't he? Just look at our lives. He is just, Holy Spirit is just brilliant. So the first thing is that we, we enter. We enter. We, 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 we listen. We, we show up, church. So important to show up. You know, there's a lot of conversation about like deconstructed church at the minute. I don't understand it. You know, like, what does it mean? Deconstructed Christianity, sorry. That they, you just take all the elements out, like what? Loving each other? Like being present, like actually showing up and sitting on a chair? And is that what, because if that is it, I don't want it. I don't want it. Number two, this sounds really cringy, but go with me. Holding on to yourself. It's like, it's not that actually. This is why we talk about identity and calling. This is why it's so, so important. This is why we run ragged and, and we get exhausted as Christians. Because we don't know who we are. 
And we don't know what we're called to. But Jesus knew who he was. Do you remember that time when he picks up the, the servant towel and he washes the feet? Of, and then he's, he, in that action, at the same time he's saying to society in the world, he's also teaching this part, I know who I am, I know who I've come from, and know where I'm going. In the same time as he's washing the disciples' feet. What if we were the church of Jesus Christ here in Tyrone, in Mid-Ulster, that knew how to wash the feet of our communities and streets and villages and towns while still knowing who we are and what we're called to? That's what it means by holding on to yourself. That you don't... Let me get really theological with this. You don't lose the run of yourself. All right, you don't, you don't need to, you don't need, when you step into somebody else's world, you don't need to become that person. You don't need to wrap yourself around, sometimes it's slime, to be honest with you. You don't need to wrap yourself around that. You can hold on to yourself while still engaging with society. Is this making sense? So important that we are emotionally healthy people so we can minister well. It's not the pastor's job. You know, a move of God will not happen in this nation if we get to thinking that this just happens here with one or two people who are called to get paid to do what I'm doing. A move of God's going to happen when the body of Christ takes its rightful place in society and incarnates the love of God with friend Holy Spirit. And I, can go, I have the faith to believe that there's a move of God coming. There's renewal coming. I'm holding on and I'm starting to dream and imagine again that God will renew this island. And his renewing it. And we will see it in our time, in our day. Anyway, I've got distracted. Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus knew who he was. He knew who had come from. He knew his call to said that. He entered into so many broken lives, but never, ever was always able to hold who he was and what he was called to. And again, that's why we need to become healthy human beings. So we can minister well, display God's compassion, love to the broken world. Remember the gift of limitation talk? Of course you do. Embrace the limits. You embrace the limits. It means that you're also aware of what you can do and what you can't. And so, guys, here's, the, here's, here's what I want to give you as your pastor this morning. You have permission to say no, and you have permission to set healthy boundaries. Are you hearing me? Tension is your friend, not your enemy. Tension is your friend. What I mean by that is that tension's your gift. It is a gift. What often happens is we swing to other ends of the pendulum. Compassion, for example, I've watched people with compassionate hearts, those who have the gift of mercy, right? They just jump right in without healthy boundaries sometimes. Not everybody, but sometimes it happens. They're not bad people. They're not clueless people. They're not uh, unintelligent. They're, they're brilliant, brilliant people, but their heart and their compassion, they just, they just swim in that they're seeing. When they see the brokenness and when they see society, they just jump straight in. But the, 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 the sustainability in that is hard. Not aware of the capacity to give and to give and to give and to give and to get burnt out and to get broken and to get battered and to shattered. Or is afraid of getting burned out, never engage. That's the other side of the pension. Well, I've just seen, you know, I've seen them headbands that go to the refugee place over in North France. I don't want to do that, okay? It's just crazy. That's the other extreme. Not that these are unhealthy people that go to northern France by any stretch of the imagination. They know how to rest. They know how to um, have formation in their life. So that's good. But we, some people just conclude that ah, I'm not doing that. I don't. It looks exhausting. It looks tiring. I've seen people. I've heard the stories. Um, so therefore, I'm not going to engage in the first place. So holding on to yourselves with healthy boundaries sustains our engagement. Yeah. That's all I want to say. And in the long run, helps us incarnate the love of Jesus to others. 
where we're called to go into other people's worlds, you don't have to lose your God-given self in the process. You don't. Again, it's from being healthy we love well. Your calling, your identity, your identity will help you to hold on to yourself. Does this make any sense at all? Good. Last part of my talk. Between two worlds. Jesus' incarnation was God putting on skin. I've said that. Fully God, yet fully man. He tasted, he experienced, again, the full breath of emotion. Like in that moment, Father, is there another way? Take this cup from me. I am sorrowful. Is there another way to do this? The very life feels like it's being crushed out of me. And Jesus, at that time, is trying to hold on with his fingertips to, to breath and to life because it's within, I think, it's within the human body to live within the human heart and psychic to live forever because eternity is written in the heart of man, Ecclesiastes tells us. And therefore we are wired to be with God and to be with God in that garden of wholeness. And so Jesus is holding on to, to the grip and on to life and he's sorrowful and he feels the full breath of emotions. He's at Gethsemane and the garden, that garden outside the city, I talked about that a few weeks, a few weeks back. He experienced pain. We know that. Humiliation and ultimately a brutal barbaric death. He hung between heaven and earth. He hung between heaven and earth. Wouldn't life be much easier for Jesus to stay in heaven with the Father and take control? But by entering our world, he stepped into people's pain. Shell talked about this last week. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Just, just a, a sweet phrase of how, we, how Jesus stepped into the threshold of grieving. He chose, he, he shows up, he weeps. And he actually doesn't take a backward step. He doesn't quote scripture. He doesn't actually resurrect actually in that moment. The first thing that Jesus Christ of Nazareth does is he steps into the threshold of pain. And he fully, fully experiences the emotion and Jesus wept. He wept. So what has it become? It becomes messy. The ministry of Jesus was messy. It wasn't domesticated. It wasn't sanitized. It was raw and wild. And he is our model. When we, you, I, the church, choose love, choose to incarnate, to show God's love to the world, what we choose to do is we choose to step out of a comfort zone. We choose to step out of a world that is risk-free, of a comfort place, and we choose to live between our world and other people's worlds. We live in between our world and somebody else's world. We, we won't die on a cross. I hope not. But we will die in other ways. It will cost us time, vulnerability, availability. It will cost us time and, and money and resources and, and broken dreams at times and, and hopes dashed and, and disappointment. But we'll choose disruption, right? We'll choose di disruption because there is no other way. And when we choose to hang between two worlds, guess what happens? What happened to Jesus? On the third day, he saw he was alive. There was what? Resurrection life. Resurrection power. I choose to believe. I 
choose to believe that when we hang between two worlds that we will see resurrection life in the life of others. We'll see fruit. We'll see people come alive, people set free. I was, I, I, I had a shout this morning a couple of times because hearing the sound of broken lives, you know that song we were singing this morning? You can actually, I, I, I'm starting to believe that I sense that somewhere in the spirit today, and I know it sounds kind of odd and sort of wacky and weird, somewhere in the spirit. But I really felt I could hear the sound of hope being renewed. I could hear the sound, the physical sound of, of hearts being mended. I could hear the physical sounds of our streets being brought right again. I could hear the sound of this nation of Ireland being renewed again. I could physically hear a sound of hope and faith and love coming into reality because there, I choose to believe that when we incarnate the love of Jesus to a broken messed up world, that when we choose to hang between two worlds, our world and the next world, that we will see resurrection life and we will see life forever change when we simply show up, become present and actually listen to people. Mark 4, 26 to 29, the parable of the growing seed. He also said this, is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground, night and day while he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and it grows. Through, though he does not know how, all by itself the soil produces corn. First the stalk and then the ear and then a full grain in the ear. As soon as the corn is ripe, he puts the sickle in and it becomes a harvest or the harvest comes. Don't you love it? See, there's times that when we'll be incarnate with the love of God that we'll be presented to the world and you'll be thinking, what on earth am I doing? I do not see anything happen. I can't see any sign of fruit. There's no sound of what Jason's talking about today. What on earth is he talking about, by the way? I don't hear anything. I don't see anything. The only thing I feel is the pain and the frustration and I'm burning out. But actually, choose to believe in your heart and it's not positive thinking, but it's taking on the ancient scriptures as it is and saying that, well, I sleep or get up. I choose to believe that there is stuff happening in the soil when we start to serve and we start to sow and we'll see a harvest come. Do you believe that? So when we choose to incarnate, we will reap. We will reap. We'll reap fruit. We'll know it in our lives. You'll know it in your lives and we'll know it in the church. Not the vineyard. The church of Jesus Christ. But hey, I'm hoping for the vineyard too. Jonathan Edwards was a, an American preacher and theologian. I'll finish with this quote. He wrote a beautiful description about heaven. Let me read it for you. God is the fountain of love, as the sun is the fountain of life, and therefore the glorious presence of God in heaven fills heaven with love. As the sun placed in the midst of the visible heavens in a clear day fills the world with light. The apostle tells us that God is love, and therefore seeing he is an infinite being, it follows that he is an infinite fountain of love. Seeing he is an all-sufficient being, it follows that he is a full and overflowing and inexhaustible fountain of love. And in that, he is unchangeable, an eternal being. He's an unchangeable and eternal fountain of love. There, even in heaven, dwells a God from whom every stream of hope of holy love, sorry. Yeah, every drop that is, or ever was, proceeds. There dwells God, Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, united as one, 
and infinitely dear and incomprehensible and mutual eternal love. And there this glorious fountain forever flows forth in streams, yea, in rivers of love and delight. And these rivers swell, as it were, to a notion of love in which the souls of the ransomed may bathe with the sweetness, sweetest enjoyment. And their hearts, as it were, be deluged, be deluged, be baptized with love. We hang between two worlds, earth and heaven, or heaven and earth, to be scriptural. So when we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done, what happens is that our prayer becomes the arrow and our prayers become the target. We become both arrow and target. When we pray kingdom come, the arrow. When we pray will be done on earth, it's us. God wants to present us to the world. God wants us, you and I, to be saturated with his love. To be baptized with his love. To be deluged in his love so that we can extend it to the broken and the hurting and the marginalized and the chaotic of our world. I don't believe we have to wait until the other side to see and experience what Jonathan Edwards wrote and preached. I don't believe that. Let the true love of God flow in your life this morning and from your life into everything and to everyone around you. Will you stand with me this morning? So come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come in your wildness. Come in your gentleness. Come in your power. Come, Holy Spirit. I just pray for a gentle power this morning to, to come and to remain and to just to saturate us right now. I pray that this would be a holy moment, a holy day for us, that this would be a day set apart, that this would be a significant moment in the life of in your church, Dungannon. God, I pray that this would be the day that we would learn how to be healthy, flourishing human beings, that we would be authentic in all we do and always say, not having the right answer, but being present and listening through our friend, Holy Spirit, the one who ministers well, like no other. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come right now? God, I pray that this would be known as a place of love, a place that listens, a place that cares, a place that steps into other people's stories, even when it seems painful. And that even in the midst of that, Father God, that we wouldn't lose ourselves, that we would not feel slammed by the enemy who comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but we would be firmly positioned in you, in our identity in you, in our calling by you, God, that you would lead us into those places. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, right now. So would you fill us afresh? Fill us up right now. There's a couple of things I want to do this morning that maybe seems not connected with this, but just, just go with me anyway. Just, I just had a, re, a, a really strong sense this morning that God was opening your ears. In fact, that does make sense. It's called listening. I just sense that God, for some of you this morning, it's been so long since you heard His voice and it stopped you hearing others' voices. Because to do it on our own is not sustainable. Not to hear his voice makes no sense. 
So I just want to pray for you this morning. There's a grace in the room that God again wants to open hearts and ears this morning. Your ears to be opened. And I want to pray that there would be a supernatural happening today. That the Spirit of God would come right now and open your ears to hear again what the Spirit is doing. He has ears, let him hear. So if that's you this morning, just would you just let's just get over ourselves. Let's be a wee bit vulnerable. It doesn't mean that there's anything wrong in our life. It just means we're not here and it's clear that we used to hear. So why don't you just, just across the room, just, just respond to that. If that's you, just put your hand up. Just, I just want to pray for you, that's all. And I don't like, I like praying for faces and people. Yeah. So just, just wait a minute more. Just, just, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Spirit of God. God, would you just begin right now to open the ears. Open the ears. Open the ears right now. Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you open ears right now to hear again? Ears to hear. Eyes to see. The Father is doing what the Spirit is doing among us. God, would you fill us with courage again right now? We would be the disrupted church in Tyrone. God, cause us to be people that are disrupted. Not for the sake of it, God, but because we want to see the kingdom come here near and far. So I bless you. Run out of time. Bless you. Bless you. May you know the love of God. May you know the grace, outrageous grace that we sang about today. May grace get our hearts. And may we know the sweet, intimate fellowship, the nearness and the voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives today. Today and always in the days ahead, weeks, months, years. Prayer team, would you come? Just, I want to give a word here very quickly, just before we go get scattered for coffee and get your kids. Uh, would you come and get prayer this morning? If particularly, there's somebody here this morning we believe or somebody sensed in our pre-prayer time. Um, someone still traumatized by a car accident. It could be physically traumatized. Your body's been broken in a, in a car accident. And also there's, a, there's the... Just the mental and emotional pain of that car accident too. Would you come? Our prayer team's going to be my right and left. They should be somewhere. They're coming. They're coming really soon. And uh, if that's you this morning, would you get some prayer? If, you need, if you're sick in your body, get prayer. If you have a difficult week, come get prayer. If you need uh, the comfort of Jesus Christ of Nazareth through the presence of the Holy Spirit, come and get prayer. Whatever you need this morning, God is here. He's among us. He's president, his president himself among us. And he's doing that through people who want to minister to you. Be blessed, be well, walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Have a great week. I was broken and couldn't stand on my own two feet. He said a word and broke my chains. And I was free to breathe again. My life was saved by the love and blood of Jesus. When I found Jesus, he was standing over me. I was down and out and living on the street. There were times I could have died, but the Lord was by my side. I didn't know it then, but I'd been saved by the blood of Jesus. He took the weight off my shoulder 
came and gave Mary He gave me peace from my trouble Oh Lord, I have been blessed When I found Jesus, he was walking next to me On the lonely path of my man-made destiny He must have looked into my eyes Saw the tears and heard my cries For where I stood I was saved by the blood of Jesus promises of the world had forsaken me left me in the wilderness and it was Jesus who rescued me he called my name I would never be the same For one touch from the King of Kings Changed everything When I found Jesus He was heavy on my heart I was lost for words And didn't know where to start all I know is I believed and more than that I did receive For my sins were paid by the love and blood of Jesus By the blood of Jesus He took the weight off my shoulders He came and gave me rest He gave me peace from my trouble Oh Lord, I have been blessed Oh Lord, I have been I want to know you. 
think that I could box you in. But I'm laying down. I want to know you, Lord. I used to think that I could box you in. But I'm laying down. I want to know you.
in the simple gospel. I will rejoice in you, Lord. I will rejoice in the simple gospel. And I will rejoice in you, Lord. So lonesome how I stand Where even angels fear to tread Invited by redeeming love Before the throne of God above He pulls me close with nail-scarred hands Into his everlasting arms When condemnation grips my heart And Satan tempts me to despair I hear the voice that scatters fear Oh, the great I am, the Lord is here Oh, praise the one who fights for me And shields my soul eternally Holy, I approach your throne Blameless now I'm running home By your blood I come Welcomed as your own Into the arms of majesty 